People of God, this is the word of the Lord to you, his people. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. All right, well, please be seated. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. These words for anxious and fearful hearts. We pray that you would give us great comfort through these words and through your gospel this morning. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. You wake up a few minutes late, the alarm clock's already going off, and you know right away that anxious feeling starts to to sink in. What if I'm late to church? What if I don't have time to eat breakfast? And so you start to worry that, that, that right away, the day's off to an awful start, and that seed of worry only starts to grow and grow throughout the rest of the day. You turn on the morning news to try to relax. <laughs> and it only makes things worse. I mean, you know what I mean. You know, the, the election polls, the election news, people arguing with each other, this, this knot of worry starts to tie more and more up in your, your stomach. Oh, where is this country going? And then you see reports of the crime statistics in Dayton, and uh, you start to worry about the safety of your family the safety of yourself as you drive down the street. And then you go out the door and you get in your car and you drive to church and right away you start to worry about the the silly thing you said to someone. What what are they thinking of me now? And pretty soon you start to worry that you are worrying, in fact, too much. And worry builds and builds on itself. You know, can you relate to that story at all? Worry, 
We could call it a seasickness of the soul. It's like being tossed to and fro by the, the waves and every change and doubt of life throws us around. And we know it, 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 it spins our minds into turmoil, but it does more than that because it also puts stress upon our bodies. And uh, worry can, can make our muscles tense up. It can uh, make us lose great amounts of sleep. Worry can even cause stomach ulcers to start to grow. In our passage this morning, Jesus, he focuses in on this this subject that we all need to hear good news. Good news for anxious hearts. I want you to remember the context. Why is Jesus bringing up worry here and now? Well, he just uh, told us last week that we need to be on guard against greed. He just called us to be rich towards God and to turn away from greedy gain, the, the kind of greedy gain we saw in the parable. Remember the rich man who uh, happened upon a wonderful season of harvest, and so in addition to the riches he already had, he has more. And what does he decide to do with those riches? Tuck them away. Hoard his riches. And so... Jesus tells us to turn away from that greed and instead to turn towards a generous giving of our time, of our talents, and our treasures. And so what's the first thing that pops into your mind when Jesus says, give it up, give generously? Worry. We start to think, okay, Jesus, uh, you're, you're asking me to give up a lot. How will I make it? What if I end up needing that stuff? What if I get in a, it's a situation where I've just given away too much and I don't have that money? I don't have that time. And so the knot of worry starts to grow when we're commanded to give generously. And Jesus comes to us this morning with kind, gentle words. He tackles this problem full on. He calls you. You listening? He calls you to turn away from worry and to turn to your father with trust in his provisions. And he does this with three commands that loom over our text. The first is pretty simple. Stop worrying. (laughs) Verse 22. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. And I want you to see, Jesus gives us three commands reasons, three compelling reasons for why we should stop worrying. First, worry limits your life. Limits your life. And, and, and here's why. Verse 23, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Think about this. What happens when you start to worry? You start to focus in obsessively on these Basic issues of life. What am I going to eat this morning? Uh, Will there be what I need in the fridge? And and then we start to worry about those basic things like, well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear to my job interview? What am I going to wear to church? What if people think what I'm wearing is silly? Do I I have clean clothes today? Or was my electricity shut off and, and I wasn't able to run the washer and dryer? And when we start to focus in obsessively on those day-to-day 
basic issues of life, what happens? Well, your body becomes like a machine that you just feed. You know, it's like written on, on your body. Feed me, and you just... That's what your body becomes, like a machine to be fed and fueled to keep running. And your body becomes like a mannequin that you just dress up, put clothes on. Worry limits your life by, by focusing you on those, those day-to-day issues of life. And you forget that there is so much more to life. Eternal realities, realities of God's kingdom, as we're going to see later on. The body is more than a machine. The body is more than something to just be dressed up. And so Jesus says, stop worrying. The second reason we see here, worry not only limits your life, it steals your time. Verse 25, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about this. You're worrying about a test that you have two weeks away. and It's looming on the horizon. You know it's coming and that knot is in your stomach. And so you start to worry about it. You know, have I studied enough? You know, what, what if there's something that's asked I don't know? And, um, you know, will I pass? And these thoughts start to, to come into your mind. You start to focus so much on this test. What starts to happen? Have you added a single minute more to your time that you can actually study? No. In fact, you've taken a ton away. Precious seconds, minutes, hours just being drained. As, you've, as you, uh, you, in fact, worry away the time. Worry is like a thief that sucks away our time. And it never gives it back. It steals your time. Jesus goes on to give us perhaps the most compelling reason. A reason that leads us towards the ultimate comfort he's going to give us in this passage. Yes, worry limits time. Yes, worry steals your time. But worry also forgets God's good provisions. Did you notice that? Jesus takes you to two pictures of, um, of God's provisions in nature. Pictures that we so often forget, even though we see them day after day. Look at the ravens, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. I love when Jesus starts talking about birds because I'm a bird watcher. I love to go outside and watch the the chickadees and, um, you know, the the cardinals just eating away. You know, oh, that's one I've never seen. You know what I've seen far too often is is a raven. No, I don't know any bird watcher that loves to sit and watch ravens. Now, maybe you are one of them, but... Ravens are noisy and kind of disgusting birds that just you know, fly in and they send all the, all the other birds scattering. And they're, they're scavengers. They'll, they'll eat whatever they get, whatever they can find. And this was, in fact, exactly how uh, ravens were looked at in Jesus' day. Except even more 
dirty and annoying and disgusting because they were unclean birds, according to the Old Testament. Unclean. And so think about this. God points you to a bird that is so undesirable. And he says, I feed that bird every day. It never has to wonder, oh, have I stored away you know, enough seed for the winter? Because it doesn't store away anything. It just goes out and it finds what's ever there. And God is always feeding these ravens. And we see picture after picture of this in the Old Testament, the Psalms, in, in, in the book of Job. God feeds the young ravens that cry out. So how much more must God provide for the daily needs, for the daily bread of creatures made in his image? If he feeds unclean scavengers, how much more does he provide for you? That's Jesus' basic point. He says, you don't believe me? Go to the meadow. Look at the flowers. Verse 27, consider the lilies. And, and you look at these lilies. They're not quite the same that we have. Uh, but in Jerusalem, these lilies were beautiful. Wildflowers, white, red. And they would pop up for a day. And they would have such beauty that not even you know, the, the, the best paid fashion designer could make something as stunning. You ever go out and look at your flowers, the wildflowers, just at that peak of spring? Wow. You, you, you just look at it all day. It's so beautiful. And then let this sink in. That that flower did nothing to achieve that beauty. It's all God. It's all his handiwork. He planned every pigment of those flowers to make them the stunning beauty that they are. And so we look at them at their peak, and then we see them the next day having faded, faded away, thrown for fuel into the oven. And, and what does Jesus tell us to, to think of all this? If God provides such stunning clothing for a little flower that is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more does he provide clothing for you? The basic needs for you who are made in his very image, clothed with dignity, beyond comparison in the, in the, in the created world. Here's the point. If God feeds the pesky ravens, and if he clothes fading flowers, how much more will he give you exactly what you need? How much more will he give you your daily bread as you ask for it in the Lord's Prayer? And so Jesus calls us to stop worrying. It steals your time. It limits your life. And it forgets those wonderful provisions from God for his creatures. But you say, how? Thank you for the call to stop worrying, Jesus. I'd love to do that. How do I stop? And he, he tells us that as well. Notice. Notice how gently and tenderly Jesus speaks to the worriers. I want you to see this. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, quit it. You're being ridiculous. No, he comes alongside of us and he says, fear not, little flock. Jesus knows what the worried heart is like. He knows it's oppressed. 
And so he speaks to us with incredible gentleness. And he gives us these, these commands for our good. He says, stop worrying. And he says in the second place, trust your father. Trust your father. So here's the thing about worriers. And I know this because I am one. Um, we are professional doubters. Doubt is that air that worry breathes. Doubt is like those waves that shake our lives and spin us into worry and confusion. There is this um, you know, symbiotic relationship between worry and doubt. So think about this. Think about the doubts that lurk beneath worry. You're, you're anxious about the election results. And you're just letting this tie, tie up your stomach in knots. Um, you can't wait until we're past November 3rd. And even then, you're worried about what you're going to hear. Uh, what, what is the doubt that lurks beneath that? Get, get under that worry. And what do you see? You see a doubt in God's sovereignty over the nations and rulers. You're worried about your finances. Just so concerned that, you know, tomorrow you won't have enough to pay your electric bill. The food in your refrigerator gets spoiled. And you're, you are just fretting over this second after second. What are you doubting? What's, what's beneath that? It's a doubt in God's ability to provide for, for daily needs. It's a doubt in, in God's, uh, God's promise that, that e- even if your electric bill shuts off, you're still in his hands. He cares for you. You're worried about what, uh, what, an, what outfit to wear for a job interview. You know, what do I put on to really impress him? You just can't decide. And there's just so many options. What are you really doubting? You're doubting God's control over your interview, over um, the, the response you're going to get. And so you see, there's no, there's no surprise that Jesus, when he looks at warriors, he says, oh, you of little faith. He says, you're doubters. And he gives us a solution. He calls you to trust. He calls you to simple trust in your father's provisions. And you see this in verse 30. Your father knows what you need. He knows what you need. Do you believe that? You believe that God, your father, knows exactly what you need every second, every minute. And that he's, beyond that, going to provide exactly what you need. The news of a heavenly father is incredible news, good news for anxious hearts, good news for doubting worriers, because it goes right to the core of, of the problem of worry, and it's this. You have a father who you can trust with your very life without a shadow of a doubt. He holds you in his hands. So kids, think about this. Think about a dark and stormy night when this storm rolls in, just like it did last Friday, and the thunder just shakes the house. Where do you go running? Where's the safest place to go running? Well, into your parents' rooms, jumping into the arms of dad while he holds you tight and says, I've got you, it's okay, you're safe. 
Friends, when the waves of doubt surge, run to the safest place imaginable. Run to the arms of your heavenly father. And Jesus wants us to do this. He wants us to confront worry with that childlike trust in your father. So here's, here's a bit of homework for worriers this week. Um, worriers like myself. You know, that very moment that worry starts to work its way into your heart, at that moment, stop. At that moment, ask yourself, what is the doubt? Identify the doubt that's lurking beneath that worry. You know, is it a doubt that God's going to ultimately provide? Is it a doubt in his sovereignty? What's the lie that you're telling your heart? And then in that moment, turn from that doubt and place your anxious heart in God's good hands. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God and say, Lord, I am doubting. I trust that you provide. Help me to trust more. We hear in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so we trust the Father provides. But there's, but there's one more command that we see in this passage, and it's a solution to worry. It's good news for anxious hearts. Seek the kingdom. Stop worrying. Trust the Father. Seek the kingdom. Look at verse 31. Instead, seek his kingdom and all these things, all the things you worry about, will be added to you. Again, this is incredibly good news for anxious hearts. And here's why. It cuts to another um, core truth about worriers. We are doubters. We are also control freaks. Worriers are some of the greatest um, control freaks out there. We love building kingdoms. But whose kingdom are we building? Our own. We go to crazy extents to control our future and guarantee that our worst fears never come true. So what do we do? We accumulate stuff. What happened the day after the virus started breaking out? People ran to the grocery and they took all the food. And then everyone's complaining. You've stockpiled it all. You know, but at least, at least I've got food. And in case doomsday really does happen, what do we do? We hoard our money out of fear that we'll fall, fall short in retirement. You know, we, we cover our bases with every possible provision that we can. We keep ourselves at a distance from messy people. People who can disturb that control we hold on our lives. People who can disturb that, that safety net that we feel. We become like that rich man in the parable, comfortable in a kingdom all of his own making, alone in a world of his possessions, in his own time, and in his own talent. And notice what Jesus is doing here. He's, He's coming to us and he's telling us, let go, let go of your kingdom and devote yourself to a different kingdom. 
to a kingdom that is not your own, to a kingdom that will never fade, God's kingdom. His rule and reign over all things. So how do we do that? How do we start to loosen our grip? Verse 33. Makes the connection between worry and generous giving. This is where God takes us. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Do you see what Jesus is saying? If you hear that command, sell your possessions and give to the needy. And and your, your first instinct is to say, whoa, this can't be what I think it means then there might be an issue. Jesus is not calling you, I need to say this, he isn't calling you to, to leave yourself destitute and just you know, be completely unwise and give everything you have away. Because we see elsewhere, all throughout Scripture, it is wise to plan, it is wise to, to be um, a good stewards of our money. But that's the point, you are stewards of it. It is not ultimately your own. And so if you hold it and hold it and hold it and build a kingdom with it, then you're not truly involved in in, in building God's kingdom. We need to become so comfortable with letting go of things, of dispensing of the things of our kingdom and building God's that we actually can say, yes, Jesus, yes, show me where to give my time. Show me where I can give my talents. Show me where I can give my treasures to those who need it. Show me how to invest in the eternal realities of your kingdom. And so Jesus calls you to stop worrying and he shows you how. Turn to the Father with trust. Turn to seeking a kingdom setting your heart on the, the realities of heaven that never fade. And I want you to see this, that this freedom from worry, it only comes through Jesus Christ. Why can Jesus so boldly say, stop worrying? And then why can he so boldly say, trust the Father, seek the kingdom? It's because... Jesus is the one who's brought us into a trusting relationship with the Father. Jesus is the one who has made it possible to trust God. What did he do? He laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. And and what was he doing in doing that? He was freeing us from the greatest worry we, we will ever legitimately have. The worry of the wrath of God. Jesus took the penalty of that wrath upon himself and he provided us with a righteous standard so that when we stand before God, not a hint of worry. Not a hint of worry because of his righteousness. So he says, trust the Father. And he says this, I've given you an eternal kingdom. I've given it to you as a gift. It's now your inheritance. So that all those things that you know, knot up your stomach and worry, They don't have to anymore because you have a kingdom that matters far more than all those things. 
and it's yours now, and you'll never lose it. And now he comes to you with those comforting words in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you that kingdom. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, you have given us a kingdom and you are continuing to give it to us. So help us not to worry. Help us to lean upon your every provision and help us to devote our hearts to seeking your kingdom. Help us to see how all this comes together through Jesus Christ in whom we trust and in whom we love. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Amen. I invite Pastor Brad to come forward.